he'll do he'll do his thing. You don't have to worry about structure, pressure, none of that. It's all organic, <laughs> free flowing. Uh, we'll probably rock out for like 20, 30 minutes, maybe 45 if we're feeling it. Um, you know, obviously Joe Rogan and people like that, they have these three, four hour podcasts that, yeah, people listen to. The majority of people are going to listen for about 20 to 30 minutes and then they're like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> yep, exactly. So as creators, and maybe this is a good good starting point, it's like one of the things I've had to learn as a creator is like, how do I get to the point of my message? You know, instead of having this pressure, like, okay, this needs to be perfect and this needs to do this. And, you know, that's why I was so fascinated by your work when I saw, I was like, wow, someone actually exists to help educators, to help creators, to help teachers, to help them process the overwhelm. And that's why I wanted to, you know, just get in a conversation with you. So maybe you could just start maybe with the basics and just like, let me know how you got into this work and kind of some of the principles you believe in that, you know, support the work you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, I've been an educator for um, 16 years now. This is my 16th year. And really quickly, back in my career, I realized I was missing this major set of skills to be a, an effective educator, but they weren't anything to do with kind of teaching or education. It was, how do you process, you know, eight different things happening at once? How do you handle deadlines and trying to, you know, create a family or trying to figure out, you know, all these things? And, you know, at the time I felt kind of stuck. I felt like I either had to just, this is just the way teaching is that you just, this is, this is teaching. It's stressful. Welcome and enjoy your career or leave the, leave the field. I felt like I had like only the or option, right? I, I stayed or I could leave. And so I ultimately, I did take a little break. I, I left um, in my fifth year of teaching. I left early. I, I left in May and we finished in June. And, but I, there was something still calling me to education. I just realized I needed a different shift. I needed to not be the classroom teacher. Um, I really have a, a passion for behavior and understanding human development, why we do the things we do. That kind of led me down a different path. And I was like, all right, this little shift really reignited my passion. And I started to then practice more like internal concepts, you know, mindset and mindfulness. And I realized that, you know, handling overwhelm had nothing to do with things outside of me. It had everything to do with what was inside me. And once I learned that, I realized I can love my job as an educator and I get to have a life I love outside of, you know, the school building or wherever it is I was working at the time. And it's just been an ongoing you know, process. Like I said, it's been a 16 year journey. Um, I still work every day on this journey and it's just something that I love to share with educators that you can have both. You can live in the land of, and you don't have to pick one or the other. One of my favorite psychologists, her name is uh, Dr. Alexandra Solomon, <clears throat> and she uses and a lot. And one of my core beliefs is that language assists us in our perception and our healing and our success and how we're looking at situations. And what I loved is how you came in and you were describing the situation you were in and your mindset at the time was an or. It was like this or that. But then 
you upgraded and graduated to an and like what like how did you get to that point where you made that transition i feel like that transition mentally is such an important piece of the story like what happened for you did you get some advice did you see something different did you read something what kind of triggered that for you yeah absolutely and it really is you know, it really is a process, you know, it's not, it's not, I think sometimes we think it's like this simple kind of light bulb moment. And well, sometimes it's not, sometimes I actually think it can be. So I, you know, I was working through all these different things, you know, I'm reading these books, you know, podcasts were kind of just starting to come out. So I'm listening to podcasts. I'm, you know, just talking to different people. And I remember at the time I kind of broke down to my husband one night and I just said, there's gotta be an easier way. Like this is not, life should not be this hard. <laughs> and I, I just kind of had that moment of when does it get easy, right? Like when does it just get simple? And he, he didn't really have much to say, kind of just listen. And that, that night I happened to be scrolling on Instagram and saw an exact message of you know, are you ready for things to be simple and easy or something like it was the exact language I had just used, you know, a few, a few hours prior. And I was like, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to connect with this person. And, um, she, she turned out to be, you know, she's a mindset kind of business, spiritual coach and having that connection and having somebody to talk things through, not in like a therapeutic, like unpacking my past kind of situation, but teaching me about, limiting beliefs and about my mindset and about the thoughts and how the thoughts are what are leading to things like all of that was new to me. I very much just thought if you worked hard, you you get what you will get in the future. Like that's what's going to come to you. And I really learned that I had a lot more power than I ever gave myself credit. And so through working with her as well as some group, you know, programs and then continuing, really that's what allowed me to make the shift was just saying like I have the power within me and I'm going to keep practicing it. And, and ultimately the thing I kept holding on to is I had tried everything else and nothing else worked. So I said, all right, I've tried everything externally that you could even think of. I'm going to look inside. And that is what allowed me to make that shift. Being an educator, uh, you're wearing a lot of different hats and wearing <laughs> a lot of different roles. And so, you know, for example, I'm thinking of, one of my good friends from Illinois who coaches uh, high school English and, you know, preparing lesson plans, monitoring, running the classroom while you're there, grading at home while being a mom, having kids, while being, you know, a wife, wearing all these different hats. And so I just feel like the way it's set up is set up to put a person in overwhelm if they don't have you know, the structure, if they don't know when to shut things down, if they don't know when to delegate. And so I'm wondering if there's an educator listening and they're just like, where do I begin? You know, where do I start? I feel exactly what he said. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, you know, trying to manage all these different hats. Like where do, where does a person begin? I think, I think for me, and that's, I often go back to my own experiences, right? Because those are our best teachers. That's our best, I think one of our best, you know, teaching components we have is our own experience. And so for me, it really became about understanding what kind of where the overwhelm was coming from. And so for me, the overwhelm came because I was trying to be a different person for every person I interacted with. 
So in front of my principal, I was this person. In front of my students, I was this person. When I came home, I was this person. With my friends, I was this person. And I, I truly had no idea who I was. I had no idea who Lindsay was because I just knew I was this different person for, for everybody else. And so for me, kind of redefining who I got to be, who I got to show up as, really f- forced me to, to focus on myself. And so for me, it came down to gratitude. It came down to honoring, like, what am I grateful for? You know, and I started really simple. I started with three minutes each morning and that was it. Like that was the only thing I changed. I just set my alarm for three minutes sooner and I just laid there in bed and just spewed out gratitude. It's like, I can do that. That's simple. I can do that. Well, that then led to establishment of kind of values and my mission and my purpose over time, right? That was that was something that was over time. And while I did those things, I realized that the most important thing for me as a teacher, as a wife, as a mom, is all those roles that we identify with is to make sure the number one role I identify with is Lindsay. So now when somebody asks, hey, tell me about yourself, usually my first response, while it might be cheesy, is I'm Lindsay. <laughs> and these are parts of me. Because what I realized is I never even put that on there. It was, I'm a teacher, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a, a daughter, I'm a sister. And I, doing this work, I was like, but where am I, right? I'm doing those things. And so again, back to kind of what we were talking about with language, just my making that little language shift of I'm Lindsay and I love who I am and this is who I am, no matter what role I'm doing, made things simpler for my own mind to understand and not get so overwhelmed in, I got to do this for that person or that for that person. That's so interesting because when you meet people, you know, where are you from? What do you do? Who do you know? What have you been through? What are your goals, right? It's never, I'm Sylvester in this moment, you know? It's mm-hmm. never that for us. It's all, there's always like this story that we're filling in. I like that because it, it really brings you to the present moment. It really does. And I think, you know, I was never taught that I can remember, right, about being present. It was always, I was, I called myself for a really long time a chaser, right? I'm, I'm to chase the next thing, right? I became a teacher, and then I'm, and then I, I'm going to become a board certified behavior analyst, and then I'm going to do this, and then I recently became an administrator. So like, I still, I still like the chase, but it's not a chase anymore. Now it's about growth. Now it's about okay, I'm, I'm strong in who I am, and I'm ready to take that next step. Very different from I need that to be me, to be whole. And when I learned how to truly be present and recognize what's around me and recognize the importance of each moment, I I was able to simplify. I was able to say, okay, that to-do list of 50 things, there's maybe two that are purposeful and meaningful. And that's what's going to get my attention today, not the other 48. But nobody necessarily teaches us that. You know, society tells us like no pain, no gain, keep going, hustle, do all the things. And I had to really practice giving myself permission to let go of all of those shoulds, right? I always say like, get out of shouldville, because when you live in the land of shoulds, you're doing things for other people. And again, teaching, it's service related. You're doing it for others. You're doing it for your students, your parents, your colleagues, your, your staff. But the, when, when comes the time when we say, what am I doing for me? What is it that I need in this moment? And being able to do that is really, truly what changed everything for me. Are there resources available to educators that can help them 
with overwhelm, any resources that maybe you've you've come across, whether it's like a, a physical tool online, a specific notebook, a support group, just any of those things. Like, is there any tools available that I, I wouldn't know about that maybe you could teach us about? So I have. So one of my the person that I go to a lot is Elena Aguilar. Um, she's an author of Onward, which is all about emotional resilience, um, and it's specific. I think it's applicable to outside of education, but she very much writes for educators. Um, she herself is an educator. So she was one of the first that I really started unpacking. And, you know, I always, you know, I think when I'm looking for resources, I tend to just rely on trust, right? I rely on trust of kind of back to my, how I got connected with my first coach, like what comes to me, what is it that, that I need? You know, I myself have created a couple resources that that I utilize. I have um, daily journals that have, you know, some of my favorite kind of journaling and reflecting built in. And I did it purposely to allow teachers, you can do it part of your morning routine. You can do it during your lunch break. You can do it during the last 10 minutes of your, you know, day. You can do it before bedtime. So really trying to be flexible in that, um, in that regard. But I think one of the most powerful resources we all have, and we all have it right now, is just is our voice, our thoughts, mm. are our words. Wow. And so I always say some of the simplest resources are going to sheet of paper and a pencil and just let it out, like get it out onto that paper. doesn't have to be pretty, doesn't have to make sense to you, but just get it out. And I think sometimes those are some of the most powerful resources because, again, then they're coming from within us. You have a post here that I'm going to read. Uh, it's from your from your Instagram. This was a really good post. Um, and so the, the quote says, stop letting your busyness distract you from your purpose. OK, but the caption is, is pretty damn good, too. So you go uh, any guess on what I OK, start over. It says any guesses on what I think is one of the biggest distractors out there. Not our phones, not social media, not TV, which are definitely distractions, but you said the biggest. And then you're like, oh, any other guesses? <laughs> and you say that being busy is a distraction. And I'm so glad that you said this because I have been preaching this to people for the last two years. You say it's being busy. The hustle of doing all those things, all in caps, that don't actually get us any closer to our goals or visions we set for ourselves. Talk to me a little bit more about this. Stop letting your busyness distract you from your purpose. Yeah. So I, you know, again, I grew up, the busier you are, like the more worthy you are. Like that was the, that was the belief. That was the mindset. You know, if you, if you work hard enough, if you do enough things, then other people will see you as, purposeful and worthy because I grew up believing that my worth came from what I did, right? It was a, it was a productivity measure and it did. It got me some accolades. It got me some great jobs. It, you know, got me a good job. It got me into college, but it didn't, it didn't give me purpose. It didn't give me passion. It didn't get me waking up in the morning saying, I can't wait to see what today brings. And so, you know, through that, I learned that I, really related to being busy. I thought I had to have every minute of my day planned. You know, I, I used to plan to a T like, you know, to the minute, this is what's going to happen. And, but again, through all this journey, I realized 
I, this isn't what I want. Like it's, it's what I'm doing. It's what I think I should do. It was a, it was a should build, you know, example. It's not what I want to do. And so I had to really learn that it's okay to rest. It's okay to quote unquote, not do anything, but you actually are doing so much in that moment. But it was redefining me sitting down and just sitting in silence and being with my thoughts is one of the most powerful and purposeful actions I can take. But I grew up thinking that's lazy, right? That's, you, you don't do that. That's wasting time. And time is something we never have enough of. Well, again, through this process, I've learned time, there's always enough time. Time is, it's expansive. It's not limitless like I once believed it was. But it really took me identifying what do I actually want to get out of this thing that I call life? You know, what are my, what are my goals? What's my passion and my purpose? And then what actions align to that? What's going to actually make me feel fulfilled with that? Am I just doing something because I think I should? And I think when you fall into that should, that's busyness. You're just doing things to keep, you know, to keep going because I think sometimes we're afraid of what other people are going to think. You know, if I tell somebody, oh, I, I sat and I, you know, read a book for two hours when I have a deadline coming up in a week, what are they going to think of me? Well, that two hours was probably really good use of my time because it, it allowed me to, you know, be inspired, get ready, and then create that project with excitement. And so, you know, I think when I think of busyness, I was busy for years because I thought that's what I needed to do. But really allowing yourself to ask, what am I passionate about? What am I purposeful? What do I want to be doing? And then allowing those actions to really align with that. Okay. So someone listens to this and they say, okay, I hear you. I get it, but I can't stop being busy because, you know, I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to pay a bill. I'm trying to be a mom, be a dad, you know, and they start naming the things that they have to do and they just feel like there is no break. Like there is no, I have to work these two jobs because, you know, I live in a place that's expensive or, when they give you that type of feedback as a coach, what do you, you know, how do you respond to that? Cause you're, I know you're going to get that from every client you work with. So, you know, how do you kind of address that, that, that feedback? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Cause I was that, I was that person too. When I was going through it, I was, I, I work two jobs. I'm <laughs> trying to start a family. I'm trying to do all these things. And so I was totally that person. And yeah, I get that all the time. My, my number one piece is start with 60 seconds. Start with 60 seconds. And they kind of look at me like, like a minute. I'm like, yeah, a minute. Start and, you know, do something for you for 60 seconds. Sit in silence. Um, go breathe, you know, air outside. Um, go get your favorite, you know, snack. And really, like, pay attention to while you're eating it. Start with 60 seconds and then grow from there. I think what happens when we hear about mindset or mindfulness or these things, at least what happened to me is my brain overcomplicated things. And I thought, well, I have to do it for at least an hour. Or it's not going to work. I have to do it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. We get in these like, sometimes it happens with like exercise, right? If I, if I only exercise for 20 minutes, not going to do anything. I need two hours. It's so false. It's the same thing with this work. So when we can start really small and build from there, that's what all of my clients have done. They started with 60 seconds. We bumped it up to five minutes. And that sometimes that's all you need. Like that's the beauty of this, you know, especially when I think one of the biggest things for 
again, educators is that's who I, you know, part of my identity is we aren't taught to rest, right? We're not taught to slow down. We're taught to do all the things. And so I started a few years ago, just resting with intention every single day. And some days that's five minutes, some days it's two hours, but the difference is before I start, I, I set the intention. I'm, you know, I'm going to lay on this rug and think of my thoughts because I deserve to rest. I'm setting the intention of peaceful time for five minutes, whatever it might be. Right. Mm -hmm. And that has made all the difference because it doesn't have to be two hours. So start small and build from there. Something that I always relate to is keep it small, simple, and strategic. So small is you can do it in less than five minutes. Like don't start with something that's going to take you all day long. You can do it in less than five minutes. Simple means you don't have to go buy any materials, right? That's why I always go to kind of being silent and still or a sheet of paper, Like Everybody has those. You don't have to go buy anything to do it. And then strategic, make sure it aligns to you. Make sure it's something that feels connected to you. And if you're doing those, it helps us not overcomplicate, which can be another form of overwhelm for us. That makes sense. And keep in mind, my my frame here is, you know, I haven't been in the classroom, but what you just said made me think of, you know, a teacher who's going home and he or she is like designing different things to put in the classroom and cutting out different things and just spending two or three hours trying to make something look you know, aesthetic or pretty in the hope that it will be engaging for the student. But then it's like, okay, hold on. This two or three hour project that I'm doing at home is making me busy and it might be taken away from my purpose, which really in that moment is maybe they wanted to go hit yoga or maybe they wanted to go hit weights or maybe they wanted to go watch, you know, the new Batman movie, mm-hmm. you know? So looking into our life and figuring out, okay, where can we simplify certain things? Maybe instead of making the crafts, you have the kids make the craft. Maybe you can't do that. Maybe you just order the crafts pre-made. Right? Like, so looking for those ways, like where can this be simpler? And then maybe even asking like, is this craft even necessary? <laughs> what if, you know, what if we just go outside and play with the water balloons? I don't know. I'm just making something up. Mm-hmm. But you, you, I, I like that reframe there. That, that was a great reframe for us. Okay. So an educator comes to you and they say, I'm spending too much time grading papers. I'm spending too much time doing my schoolwork at home, which is what students often say. It's like, why do I have so much homework? You know, how do they begin to work around that? Like, is there help? Like, talk to me about that piece of being an educator. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that I really love to do with educators is really personalized systems that are going to work for them, right? There's really nothing. And, and again, back to my, back to my own journey, you know, I was handed a couple different things first, like here, you have to do this and it'll work. And I just, I don't, I don't buy it. Right. I don't buy into the have to mentality because we're all unique and different. So let's all be unique and different. And so one of the things that I really try and get educators to do is, again, really connect to their purpose, really connect to their why. Now, yes, no one went into teaching at least I haven't met anyone yet. This is, I'm really excited to grade papers. <laughs> you know, I'm really excited. That's why I did teaching. But what they will say is, I'm really excited to see my students' growth. I'm really excited when my students show mastery of a concept. I'm really excited when my students show curiosity or they teach me, right? Which all of that comes from grading papers. 
So for some teachers, it's just about reframing. What do those papers mean? It's not something else you have to do. It's a tool that's going to give you information to fulfill your purpose as an educator. There's other teachers that I work with that truly do need just a better system, right? So right. they're so stressed right. out from the day that maybe the half hour after school that is kind of, you know, contractual of like, that's your work time. They're spending it kind of decompressing from the day that that time then it's not wasted, but it's not being utilized for maybe setting themselves up for the future. Right. So instead of that, we work on how do we do kind of energy check-ins or how do we do mini strategies throughout the day so that when you get to 2.30, you're not exhausted and you can have your half an hour to get that those pieces done. You know, and so it's a lot of working with people to see what, what's actually the, the thing that's getting in the way is it something external? Is it something internal? And then coming up with ways to address that. Because what I found is that second example is people I work with more often. It's more, they're just so exhausted because they're trying to hold it together all day long that then they lose it. So we, you know, we use really simple strategies. I have one where I have a teacher that she has, um, she picked her favorite color is green. So she picked green, just green post-its and she just has them. I think like a one on each wall of her room, just in like, you know, in the corner of the, of the whiteboard in the back, one on her desk. Every time she looks at it, there's nothing on them. They're blank. But every time she looks at it, she reminds herself to do affirmations and to take a deep breath. Mm. So even she can be in the middle of a lesson. She sees it. She kind of does a breath in her head. She'll say something, you know, to keep herself going. And she has shared just by doing those things. Again, it's small, simple and strategic. It keeps her motivation going through the day so that when she has, you know, 20 minutes when her students are at specials, she can focus in and get something accomplished versus feeling like I just need to go vent for 20 minutes because the day has been so crazy. Mm. Wow. See, I like I like that you're creating a new system for not only the work, but an energy check in system. And I feel like that's so crucial for so many of us. Would this work? And, you know, you know way more than me, so feel free. But what if we graded papers in the classroom, like with other students, you know, like we just went over the answers right there. Is that possible in certain situations or is that frowned upon? Yeah, I think I think, you know, I think the way that, you know, <laughs> at least some states where education is going, some some's going a different direction. But, you know, the more that we can involve students, it's, it's going to be huge. You know, feedback is a huge indicator of kind of future success, right? That's like our own feedback as well as from others. And so I think the more that we can help students, you know, understand information, but also understand at a critical level of how do I strengthen this? You know, if it's a paper, how do I strengthen this? How do, do I have peer, you know, peer editing? Do I have, does it have to always be the same way? And I think another thing as educators, again, it goes to that simplifying piece is, you know, how much as a teacher do I need my students to produce so I know that they've mastered the material, right? Do they have to do 100 math problems in two minutes that I know they know addition, you know, and flu yes, fluency is important and all these pieces. That's why as a teacher, you have to decide what's, you know, the important piece. But I think there are times when I think back and I taught little guys, I taught kindergarten first and second. I would do things. I'd be like, it took me two hours to prep this and it took them two minutes to do it. 
Mm. It's like this, this is not, <laughs> this is not, you know, I don't love the word balance, but I'm like, this is not helping, right? This is not a balanced situation. So I, I did the same thing. I started finding, you know, art projects that the kids really could make all on their own. That I didn't have to do anything other than show a model, right? And so I think the more that we can ask ourselves, is there a different way? Is there a simpler way for me to get the same outcome? And if so, how do I make that happen? And especially as students get older, invite them into the conversation. You know, their voice, you know, there's more, there's always gonna be more of them than there is the teacher. So allow them to say, here's how I could show you that I've mastered this standard, or here's how I could show you I've mastered that concept. And let them invite, you know, bring them into the conversation. It's going to take a little bit off of you as the teacher. It's also going to teach them a huge skill of advocacy, independence, you know, initiative drive, which is really a win-win for both people. Yeah, it also sounds like with what you, what you just said, there's an opportunity as well to allow the students to take over even, you know, leading and instructing at different points, teaching mm-hmm. different different components or what they learned or, you know, just because again, like some people, you know, and we know that everybody learns differently. You know, some people learn by getting up there and speaking and saying, okay, this is what happened. I got this problem wrong because I did this or, you know, and just kind of going through it. So there's a multitude of ways to, to teach. So with you being uh, the mother of one right now and, you know, having one coming here very soon, running your business, how do you, predict or prepare for the change that you're about to experience on the individual level, but then also from the structural level of your family unit, how are you preparing for that change? And, you know, I know we can't, you know, predict everything, but at least how are you preparing for it and mentally getting ready for that change? Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely something that I've been, it's something I've been working through actually the last few months because for probably before I got pregnant. So before October, you know, I had things pretty, pretty figured out (laughs) to a point. I was pretty confident, you know, I had, my daughter was older, so she's doing a lot more independent things. And, um, I was feeling really comfortable in my job. Um, I kind of, I really knew what to do and, you know, everything was just kind of, kind of there that the new part was my business. So it was, you know, figuring out business things and all of that. And then, you know, then the universe comes and the day I switched roles, I went from being a behavior specialist to um, an assistant principal. That day that I switched, I found out I was pregnant. And so here we are embarking on a school year that has been very, very different from previous school years coming back from, you know, the pandemic and hybrid and everything. And I, my body could not do what it once could do, especially in the last couple of months. So while I'm working to prepare for the future and and how things will shift, I really had to practice it now because I don't have the energy that I had six months ago. I don't have the, you know, all the creativity, you know, kind of flow that I once had because I'm just, I'm just drained each day. And I had a few weeks where it was like, oh my gosh, everything's going to end. This is terrible. And then I remember, you know, again, I'm super grateful for all the work I've done because I kept asking myself, are these actually my thoughts or are these just fears? Mm. And they were just that. They were fears. They were not my actual thoughts. My actual thoughts is I know I'll figure it out because I've been in many situations in the past when I had no clue what to do and I've figured it out and I'm always stronger because of it. So I've had to, you know, I think my biggest thing looking forward is I've let go of timelines you know, I've let go of 
I have to be here by this. I mean, obviously not the birth. That's a, that's a timeline we'll keep. But, you know, for for my job or for Define University, for all of those, I've had to let go and say, it's okay if that doesn't happen till August. It's okay if that doesn't happen today. I know that when it happens, it's going to be the moment it happens. And that level of trust in myself is only there because it's what I've been practicing for the last four or five years. Um, but that's really where my mind is going now is just like full trust in what happens and letting go of, you know, those arbitrary timelines that I think I should have. My last question for you is on parenthood and it's actually a two kind of a two part question. So with your first kid, what is one thing that you did well and with the kid coming up? What's one thing that you're hoping uh, to do well with this kid or maybe do differently that maybe you didn't do well with the first kid? Yeah. So what did you do well with the first kid? And what's something that you're hoping for, an intention you have for the upcoming kid? I think with, so Kaylee, who's my first, she's seven, almost eight. One of the things that we really worked on early on was her, her independence. And so, you know, from, you know, one years old, she was doing, I mean, supervised, <laughs> she was doing, you know, independent play um, to where now, again, she's seven. She can, her imagination blows me out of the water. Like it blows me away what she can create and play and she'll, you know, make a huge mess, but it's like a masterpiece at the same time. And, you know, especially during the <laughs> pandemic, like that saved yeah. us because she would go and play for hours. And it was just amazing to watch and really see the, you know, the, just the, the imagination that this kid has and how well she can do things independently. And I think, you know, with, with the second one, it's another little girl, you know, one of the things that we've started with Kaylee, but I, I really want to start um, earlier with this one is, is a lot of the things that we talked about today. It's, you know, mindset at a kid level, you know, so Kaylee, Kaylee knows gratitude. Kaylee knows affirmations. She knows um, strong, powerful thoughts. Um, we do, we practice breathing, but we've started that. We started it really hardcore after the, the loss of my mom in 2020. And I really want to make it more of a daily practice for us as a family so that it's not just something, you know, you use when something bad happens, but it's something that just becomes a part of our lifestyle and something we practice every day. So it is there when you're having that really bad day, but it's also there to celebrate and appreciate the, the you know, amazingness that every day brings. Um, so that's something I want to start incorporating a little bit earlier, just so it becomes a part of, you know, our family dynamic. I love that, you know, like leaning into the tools when we're doing okay, when we're doing great, when we're thriving, you know, because that also makes it more potent too. Instead of just let me lean into the tools when things aren't going that well. It's like, no, we're going to always lean into the tools. And I like how you said, I think what you said was child, uh, child mindfulness. Is that what you said? You said child. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I like that. Like the other day, I was stretching, um, doing some yoga, and my my boy comes up to me. He's two, and he goes yoga because <laughs> he he sees me doing it every day, mm -hmm. so he knows that you know when dad is in this weird position with his leg up that he's doing yoga, and so he'll come right next to me and do it, and so it's being you know integrated into his life. Like he's not 
what for me, you know, I didn't know yoga until I was like 25. I never even heard the word, you know, so he's seen the tool, seeing it demonstrated in his life at two. And obviously I'm not forcing it on him. I'm not like getting your down dog, son. This is going to save you. <laughs> you know, I'm just, you know, I just kind of do it. If he joins, he joins. If he doesn't, it's all good. Okay. So the people, they're going to come look for you. They're going to come look for your offering. I know that you do some one-on-one coaching. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the things you offer and that you're doing um, and how we could just get connected with you. Yeah. So the, the best place to start is my website, which is defineuniversity.com. Um, university is Y-O-U uh, University. Um, but if you search my name, again, just Lindsay Titus on on all the social media, most of the social medias, um, you'll find me. And, uh, you know, again, I love to you know, connect with people because I think that's that's just part of growth, right? Is connecting and expanding and learning from people that are similar as well as different as as you know as we are. And yeah, through Define You, I offer I do offer coaching. Um, I do run programs. I haven't again recently, but I'll be starting that again this summer. Um, sometimes people prefer group, you know, group classes versus one on one. And then I have some resources, some free resources on there to kind of get yourself started. And yeah, just reach out. Okay. Now I want, I want people just to get to know you a little bit. So we're going to do just a lightning round. Uh, so don't overthink it. Just answer quickly, you know? All right. <clears throat> so I'm just going to throw four at you. Give me your best four for, you know? Okay. So first you ready? Are you ready? Let me make sure I'm you're ready. ready. You're good. Okay. Favorite pregnancy snack. Pizza. Oh God. Pizza is so good. <laughs> you're on an Island. And you can only listen to these two musicians. Who are the two? Oh, that's a good one. I don't even know if I have anyone. They'd be country. Okay. Give them, you got to give me two. Two. Uh, let's go with Carrie Underwood and Thomas Bag. You are the director of a movie and you have to hire your lead actor and your lead actress. Dead or alive, who would you hire? I would hire Reese uh, Reese Witherspoon and um, this is not fair. I watch mostly Hallmark movies, and I don't even know who those people. Are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll okay. go with um, Ben Affleck. Oh, Ben Affleck's good. He's good. He's good. Okay, last one. Your favorite book. My so the the my favorite book the book I go back to um, time and time again is the Four Agreements. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's I mean it's a newer book to me. I read it about four probably well again four or five years ago, but it's a book that I can't. It's like torn apart at this point. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of my favorites. 